Good day to all retail and partner industry players. This is Raf Layosa, founder and CEO of RetailGate Technologies, your program partner and the CTO of the United Neon Media Group. And welcome to the country's premier and award-winning retail podcast, Let's Talk Retail. Now to our avid listeners, your utmost support for PRA's podcast is overwhelming and we are truly grateful for the appreciation that you have shown to us. Now rest assured that the PRA will continue its mission to provide you with top-notch learning avenues to help you achieve success in your respective businesses. Now to keep you up to date with the latest in the industry, follow us on Spotify and subscribe to PRA's YouTube channel to get the first dibs on Let's Talk Retail's newest episodes. Now, speaking of firsts, our episode today will feature the man behind the operations of one of the fastest growing e-commerce platforms in Asia. He will share with us his experience leading a dynamic and forward-thinking team and how they achieved such an accelerated growth and the sustainability initiatives and how they even foresee e-commerce as we all move forward. Isn't that exciting? I really think that's very exciting. That's definitely something we all want to learn about. So without further ado, let's meet our guest. He is none other than the CEO of Lazada Philippines, playing an instrumental role in growing the brand's reach across the archipelago. As its chief commercial officer from 2016 to 2018, he deepened Lazada's partnerships with major global brands. Today, his vision for e-commerce in the Philippines continues to shape the group's strategic direction. He has 11 years of consumer internet and e-commerce experience with stints as product and vendor manager at Amazon US and as CEO of e-commerce Philippines. He graduated from the Ateneo de Manila University with a degree in BS biology and completed his MBA at Stanford Graduate School of Business. Ladies and gents, please welcome on screen, Mr. Ray Alimurong. Hi, Ray. Hi, Raf. Pleasure to be to be here, and it's an honor to be your guest uh, for this show. Oh my gosh, it is a big honor for us to have you as our guest. I mean, uh, when we think of e-commerce now in the Philippines, and there's, there's one big name that always comes to mind, it's Lazada, and we have none, no less than the CEO himself of Lazada. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Let's Talk Retail, Ray. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And yes, let's talk retail and e-commerce. Yes, definitely. So uh, we re before we actually dive into that and really talking retail and e-commerce, how about let we want to get to understand the person behind the title of Lazada CEO? I mean, that's such a that's a that's such a giant uh, concept right there, no? Lazada CEO. Could you tell us more about who is Ray Alimurong and and what was that journey you went through? as you progressed through your career in exploring e-commerce towards now as you sit at the helm of Lazada Philippines. What's the story there? Yeah, yeah, Raf. Actually, it's been quite quite a long journey you now. Uh, you, you mentioned some of it in your, your, some in your intro. Actually, uh, 
it's actually been 15 years already since, uh, not 11, but actually 15, that I've oh, been in consumer internet and e-commerce. Uh, and that journey included four years in Amazon, two years in the, if the first e-commerce enabler uh, in the region, e-commerce based in Thailand, mm -hmm. set up the Philippine office. Uh, and then um, seven years in Lazada. And I think what most people don't know is that I actually started my career as a medical doctor. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I, I became a medical doctor because I really wanted to help people. I wanted to help yes. people. Uh, I wanted to help Filipinos. And interestingly, I left medicine because I wanted to help more Filipinos. Mm -hmm. And yes, when definitely. I, I became a doctor because my grandfather was one of the pioneers in Philippine medicine. He was, he was one of the co-founders of Abbey Medical Center. He was the head of the cardiology department there for many years. Uh, and I trained in Philippine General Hospital, uh, UPPGH. And I was really frustrated with my experience because I found that uh, no matter, uh, it, it was the largest charity hospital in the Philippines. And I used to spend my lunch money to pay for uh, patients' uh, diagnostic tests. And I found it very depressing to see that people could not produce 250 pesos to save their life. Um, and, uh, you know, Every day, what I felt every day was that no matter how much we did, tomorrow would look like today, and we were just running in place. But the world was changing, and there was a new technology developing, and that was the internet. And uh, I wanted to learn more about this whole concept of the internet and e-commerce, and I felt that it could catalyze progress and development in the Philippines in a, in a, in a very profound way. Um, so I actually quit medicine and went back to school. I went back to school in Silicon Valley uh, and eventually got to join Amazon because I wanted to learn about the internet, e-commerce, and eventually be able to bring it back to the Philippines. Yeah, so what I want to say is that um, I really got that opportunity to do that in 2012 when mm -hmm. I received a call from a German incubator called Rocket Internet. Yes. To join a fledgling startup called Rocket, uh, called Lazar. Right? Wow. So, so I got, eventually got to do what I wanted to do but I really had no inkling that this was gonna happen at the time. I was just, uh, you know, uh, taking a chance, trying to see where this would lead and very happy that it brought me to where I am today. I mean, that's a very inspiring story and, and very surprising. I, I never thought no, that you know, from doctor apparently. So I, I sh should I have uh, addressed you first as Dr. Ray? No, but from that journey, from, from being a doctor, then now the, uh, being at the helm as the CEO of Lazada Philippines, what a journey from there. And uh, very interesting, actually, how surreal that detail you mentioned. It was just in 2012, not so long ago, apparently, uh, when you mentioned, uh, you actually referred to Lazada as a fledgling startup in 2012. So today, that's just about, about, about a decade ago. But in, in a span of just 10 years, the growth of Lazada is just amazing to becoming the giant that it is today. And I'm sure uh, for, for our, uh, our retail leaders that are listening and even startup founders like myself, that's very inspiring that from that startup in 2012, now it's actually Lazada, the biggest name that we hear when we think of e-commerce. Now, you mentioned there it was in 2012 when you got that call. And Definitely, when, when, when people are given that invitation to join a, a startup, right, there's always a lot of questions coming in there, and it's, it's seen with a certain level of risk. 
So what gave you that push to take a risk, you know, take a chance on this, in your words, right, the fled, this fledgling startup uh, that you just heard of uh, that, that you were asked to join in 2012? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was definitely uncertain. No? Uh, you know, when I joined Lazada back in the day, the office was, it's nothing like it is today. No? The first mm -hmm. office was a spa on Jupiter Street, right? So the, uh, the interview room was uh, the sauna and the, uh, the boardroom had the jacuzzi. Yeah, and there were, you know, we were using picnic tables and there were eight people to a desk. Uh, and uh, I remember my interview was in the hallway. Right? And there was like people passing, there was no air conditioning in the hallway, people passing left and right. It was really cramped. Uh, and I remember I was asked when I was being interviewed by that back then by the group CEO of Lazada, uh, Max Bittner. And he asked me, so what do you want to do here? And I said, well, uh, I want to run the place. Right? But I recognized that uh, some people got into the door before me. And so, you know, I'm willing to put in the work. Um, and he, he mentioned that, you know, a lot of the people who came here before you are, are not Filipinos. Right? Uh, they, they, they came from all over the world to build e-commerce in Southeast Asia. And one day they're all gonna go back to their home countries and you're gonna be running the place. And that's exactly what happened in 2018. But I really felt uh, a huge sense of optimism. It's not, it's not so much the, 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 the CEO role I was pursuing, it was the, the promise, the optimism, right? Um, I remember I was in Amazon in, um, uh, I was in Amazon in 2007. Right, and at the time that was already year twelve of Amazon, and uh, you know it was a multi-billion-dollar business at the time. Uh, and uh, here I am joining an e-commerce company, and you know we're if we hit one hundred orders in a day, we're calling it we're we're doing a celebration, right? In one day, right? I remember. Yeah. So I'm telling you that uh, it was really a startup. It was a very far cry from Amazon, but we really had the sense that we were building the future in Southeast Asia. It was so early that uh, if somebody, a lot of customers would contact us after uh, placing an order and they would call us and say, hey, I placed an order, did you receive it, right? Or may I know where your showroom is? Uh, it, yeah. it was, that, that was the kind of base. In fact, a lot of our products online, we didn't even have them in stock. So if there was an order, we went to the mall and bought it, right? In order to send it to you. Right? It was that kind of uh, startup days. But again, far cry from Amazon, but we really felt we were building the future in Southeast Asia. Love that. I mean, that just really paints a clear picture of how even the largest giants, um, industry giants, actually would have that, th those humble beginnings, just like that picture you painted right there. But what I, what I find very interesting and very inspiring there, that back in 2012, right, 10 years ago, you came in there, the, just the vision right there as you were entering and, and when you're having that interview, that, that vision and that, that confidence, not every day that you, you, you hear someone say, oh, I want to run the place, but also not coming from, uh, just, just coming from anywhere, but actually coming from that strong vision of building the future of e-commerce in, in, in Asia, right? So that was 10 years ago. Fast forward to now, we're really seeing how, how, how 
uh, how fast-paced the growth has been, especially in recent years for e-commerce and that exponential growth of Lazada. What was it like you know, back in 2012? Did you already see this type of, of exponential growth coming? Did you already expect it to happen within 10 years? And how did you prepare uh, as you were keeping your eyes on that end goal of being the one leading that uh, that growth and that startup into that trajectory of being, of changing the, the whole region? Yeah, Raf, there was just no way I could have foreseen it. Uh, I had a lot of friends ask me, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, what, what is yeah. that? Uh, I remember 2010, I came home to Manila and I was already in Amazon, right? And I asked around, I said, hey, uh, you know, I'm working in e-commerce in the U.S. Why is there no e-commerce here? And people will tell me, oh, well, uh, people, you know, people still don't want to pay online. There's no way to pay online. People want to touch and feel products. That's 2010, right? 2012, I come home, I join, I join the Sada, and I have no sense that I have no sense absolutely would get to the scale that we, we we're in today. Uh, we were just taking one day at a time. We would take orders, and I was I remember I was handling. I, re, I remember I was I was handling Philippines customer care and regional customer care, and our cancellation rate for an order was 30 percent because we were taking cash on delivery for cities where we didn't offer cash on delivery. It was that, our system was that rudimentary at the time, right? And I, the, the notion that we will get millions of orders, I, I couldn't even foresee that because we couldn't even solve this little problem, right? So, so um, and then actually I left in 2013, uh, I left in 2013 and joined uh, e-commerce. No? And I rejoined Lazada in 2016 when uh, Alibaba, which coincided with Alibaba acquiring Lazada. Right. So mm -hmm. when, when the time I came back, it looked a little different, a little bit different. We already had launched Marketplace. Uh, we had launched Cross Border. It, it was starting to be a different place, but still nothing compared to what it is today. That's amazing. I mean, uh, that even that story that you, you apparently you you left but you came back. That sounds like a uh, some, I'm seeing some parallelism between uh, that story and that of, of Steve Jobs, right? But, uh, and that transformation upon your return, uh, it just so I, happened to coincide. I don't think I can be mentioned in the same sentence as a luminary like uh, Mr. Jobs. Oh, I mean, one can dream, right? I mean, that, that is amazing. And you are, after all, at the helm of the largest uh, player in e-commerce here in, in the country, right? Um, now, when we... When we Look at that 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 picture. I, I, I love how you 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 really showed that it was a very humble beginning. You would never have thought that that um, in the earlier years of Lazada. I mean that story that you actually had to to get some products in the mall and then and then eventually uh, just just deliver that. Far cry from where it is today, right? But. What changed? Where did you see the, the, the turning point, especially in the industry in the Philippines? As um, especially you mentioned before, people were very hesitant on online payments. And then now it's, people are pretty much comfortable with that, with the whole transition. What was that pivotal um, uh, turning point in, in recent years? Yeah, Raf, I wouldn't say there is one turning point. I think there are multiple. 
there are multiple things that cause what I call a step change in, in the group. Mm -hmm. I would say uh, the first one, one of the key ones is opening up the marketplace. We did that around 2013 to 2014, right? Because prior to that, Lazada was a retailer. Uh, we were we either bought the inventory outright or we were consigning. And that's a very limiting type of model. Mm -hmm. and I know that's the dominant model that Amazon had for many years. In fact, till 2012, they were still 65% retail, right? But uh, the market in Asia, especially Southeast Asia, is very different, right? Yes. So by yes. opening up marketplace, suddenly you allow tens of thousands of sellers to join. Right. So that, that would be one big uh, pivotal moment. Another one would be opening cross-border, right? So allowing now, um, you know, millions of products from abroad, particularly China, which are not available here, right? Or available probably at a very high price, now making it accessible and doing cross-border in a very different way. Uh, what I mean is that instead of you ordering from an overseas site, and then getting a surprise at customs on what the tax duties, the taxes and duties are, we built everything into the price, right? Um, and that price was in pesos, right? Yes. So uh, you didn't have to, uh, you, you didn't have to use a, a dollar credit card to make that purchase. And you didn't have to make a trip to the post office to pick it up. It would be delivered to your door. All the costs would be in, that was game changing. Um, and then another step change was taking that cross-border business and turning on cash and delivery, mm -hmm. right? So we, when we launched cross-border, there was no COD. When we launched with COD, again, another big step change. And then, of course, the most recent big step change was been, has been the pandemic. I mean, there, yeah. E-commerce really went to the front, uh, forefront of people's minds. Uh, yeah, definitely. And, and I love how you, you, you painted that picture of everything that's apparently happening behind the scenes uh, because that experience that you, you just pointed out, the, that cross-border uh, um, purchases, uh, sourcing from China and, and what happens actually in between until it gets to the doorstep. Normally, from a consumer perspective, it's so easy to, to, um, to take that for granted, actually. And little did I know personally that, oh, definitely, oh, I, I realize now Right, right. It, it would have to go through customs, a lot of fees. But as a consumer, as the as the as the end user of that product, I don't feel that that any of that at all anymore. And that's really Absolutely. amazing. And and Absolutely. Just, and the thing is when you compare when you compare that cross border experience to before Lasada turned it on, it was exactly as painful and as uh, full of friction as I described. But that friction and difficulty exists today if you are to buy from a site abroad That's yes. today. so you take it for granted because you're getting that experience on Lazada but actually if you realize it 99% 99.9% of the foreign sites if you were to try to buy from will the experience will kind of look like that right it's still it's still the type where you don't know if, what how much duties are going to be and you might you may or may not make a trip to the post office um, that's still there Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. And definitely, I think that clearly paints the picture of what sets Lazada apart from other e-commerce experiences, especially like what you mentioned, if, we're, if we are to compare to the, to the typical uh, standalone e-commerce website of brands, especially brands from abroad. But 
with that aside, with that amazing logistics and, and seamless experience, end-to-end experience that Lazada promises, what would you say actually really sets Lazada apart in the marketplace? I think the first thing that, uh, I'll tell you about three things that I believe set Lazada apart. But before that, I'll say that uh, the distinctive aspect about Lazada is that Lazada pioneered e-commerce in the Philippines and in Southeast Asia 10 years ago. Yes. Before Lazada, there was, there was no e-commerce. Mm-hmm. So uh, that, that's the kind of position Lazada has in, in, in this industry, in this market. But what we realized is that when we were building e-commerce, the rest of the uh, infrastructure was actually pretty backward. So we found out that by building the e-commerce industry, we had to build two other industries, which is payments and logistics. Yes. Uh, And some of the pioneering innovations we did for payments were cash and delivery. I know we take it for granted now, but when Lazada started in 2012, no logistics courier was offering cash and delivery. Mm -hmm. Today, everyone does, but it was a new thing back in 2012. Um, so the other thing is that we also built a fleet, right? Mm-hmm. A fleet because the, the incumbent logistics partners were not equipped or uh, they were not, their operations were not designed to cater to e-commerce, right? The typical delivery before Lazada came in was, you'll get your parcel when you'll get it, right? Yes. <laughs> we, we don't know where it, we don't know where it is, right? It's Lazada that pioneered the notion that we, keep, we, 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 we are capturing the status of the parcel wherever, in every step of the journey. We're capturing that. We're sending it back to the system. We're sending it back to you. You can track it yourself, right? That, that's very pioneering for e-commerce. But I think three things that set us apart. Huh? One, uh, I would say our vision is to be the most trusted e-commerce platform. So since 2012, we've invested very heavily in building trust for Filipino consumers. Things like... COD is a form of trust, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, because a lot of Philippines were hesitant to do e-commerce, but really I capture all of that under a concept, secure and easy payment options, right? Because we're doing COD and 80% of our orders today are still COD, but we offer e-wallets, credit cards, less other wallet. Um, uh, but we also build trust by free and easy returns, uh, 24-7 customer service. And then of course, convenient and reliable logistics options. You don't need to contract your own third-party logistics company to send your parcel. We'll do it for you. We'll pick it up from your, from your warehouse, right? That's all part of building what I'd say trust, right? So that whole vision to be the most trusted e-commerce platform is one of the things that we believe sets us apart. Um, second is we have the biggest selections of, biggest selection of official brands online. Uh, there are many brands online, but Lazada has put up Lazmol to guarantee and verify that those stores are actually the official brand owners or distributors. And we have 8,000 local inter- or in- and international brands and growing, right? Uh, and um, there are customers who want to make a purchase from an official store, right? It's not, it's not sufficient for them to buy a brand. They want to buy it from the official distributor, get the warranty, be protected on authenticity, um, and get good content, right? Um, third thing, of course, is the backing, uh, is the relationship of Ali, uh, Lazada and Alibaba. Right? I mean, Alibaba is the e-commerce giant, global e-commerce giant. 
Um, they have the technology, experience, and knowledge that we benefit from, right? And we believe that this allows us to continue to grow uh, and, and, and innovate. That's amazing. And I, I, I just want to point out, and I, I really saw that while you were saying those three main things, I love how you actually really pointed out that these are things that you've built into the business, but it all actually tracks back into the customer. That it's all about the customer experience and rebuilding that that sense of trust and 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 sense of security. I mean, you're, that is very amazing, and that really enabled the, what you mentioned. It's really pioneering in in the industry. I mean, who would have thought that uh, e-commerce would actually grow to its scale as it is right now in the Philippines, where, as you said. Technically, even with all the, the 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 cashless options we have available right now, surprisingly, 80% is still COD uh, for Lazada, and that just blows the mind. But then, when you you put you put in COD as an experience as early as was that 2012 you mentioned? That's right. And right now, I cannot imagine if any other e-com any any e-commerce platform that does not offer COD. I mean it's become a standard and expectation that was really set by Lazada. And that is really amazing and a lot to learn from there. Unfortunately, COD is a bit of a Pandora's box, right? <laughs> we're, uh, we're, we're trying to put, we're trying to put it back, back in the box, right? Uh, <laughs> it, it was a way to, it was a way to circumvent trust concerns in the early days. Uh, mm -hmm. But we feel, you know, we're at a certain stage, it's year 10. Uh, and um, what many people don't know is that delivering COD costs a lot more than delivering non-COD. Yes. Um, there is what we call a failed delivery, right? Where if you try to deliver and the customer never appears at home or is never there to receive, that's what you call a failed delivery. And that failed delivery rate is 15 times higher on COD than non-COD, which makes sense, right? If a guy hasn't paid for it, he's not committed to receive the item. Right? Yes. But that cost, that cost goes back to our average delivery cost. It's spread on every order. So basically every order, that. Becoming, exactly, every order is becoming more expensive. Right? So it. people yeah. like the idea, but they're also paying for it. <laughs> yes. Right? You know what I mean? So yeah, that's definitely. why we started to uh, adopt, we've started to adopt all these digital payment technologies. And we've seen a three times increase in our digital payments on Lazada since pandemic, but it's still um, it's still something we continue to work on. Definitely. Now, now that you actually mentioned about the pandemic, and we've we've all seen how that really um, that that really fast tracked the growth of, of e-commerce here in the Philippines. Now that we're we're in this uh, this year, twenty twenty two, pretty much. Uh, already a few years uh, since we, we we first went into lockdown in, in 2020. Uh, and now things are starting to ease up. How do you see the trajectory of e-commerce in the Philippines now? Do you see it to, to be retaining in its current aggressive level? Do you think it's going to go up even more? Or what do you think about that? So, yeah, there's a lot of talk of, you know, the economy opening up and e-commerce going to slow down, going to go away. Uh, E-commerce growth will be sustained even post-pandemic. Uh, it won't have the same compound annual growth rate as five, you know, the last five years, but it's still going to be pretty aggressive. Uh, if you look at various studies, you'll see that 
Philippines is the fastest growing e-commerce country in the world in 2022. Uh, and for the next five years, or the next three to five years, it's going to grow at a clip of 25% per year, right? Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, certain studies will say that it's going to be $40 billion in 2025, right? That's a pretty aggressive, uh, well, that's, that's a pretty bullish trajectory, right? Um, and so it's here to stay. Uh, and uh, it, it becomes important for brands, retailers, companies to think about how they can be, participate there because that's, that's where the customers are. Definitely. I mean, from, from just those numbers alone and, and th those predictions and projections, definitely, I, I, also, I agree. I don't see e-commerce slowing down, not even plateauing anytime soon. In fact, uh, as people are seeing even more and embracing the convenience that it creates, all the more people would just, you know, I'm already used to it. Why do I have to go back to, to, um, to the past, right? But now that you mentioned also... Let me ask yes. So the other uh, part of that story is the fact that e-commerce is still in its early days. There's still a lot of headroom, right? Mm -hmm. When you look at Southeast Asia, e-commerce probably has a 5% penetration of retail. Right? That yeah. is still very low. You, you have his. that number to be probably in the 20, 25% range in a country like South Korea, right? Uh, and mm -hmm. when, you look at, um, when you look at certain industries like grocery, grocery is less than 2% of retail penetration. Mm -hmm. So you still have a lot of headroom. Right. So even if we know that 70% of internet users make online, have made an online purchase in the last year, um, the question is not what percent of users are buying online. It's what percent of the retail volume, the retail purchases online. And for a lot of these users, the majority, they're on what we call their offline to online share, the offline share is still much larger, right? So those numbers uh, I mentioned on the growth rate next three to five years, they're really uh, hinged on a very high, large headroom. Definitely. I mean, that's very surprising when you mentioned it's just 5%. And even for grocery, that's actually just 2%. So definitely th that spread, that, that headroom that remains is... I can't really imagine how, how much that really means and once it's, it, it's realized because at this rate, we can already see how, how expansive the growth has been. And it's just apparently 2 or 5%. Now, as we see that and keep that in mind, given that headroom now, and as we move on towards the, three, the next three to five years, how then uh, do, you, do you think uh, the... the um, the potential or the remaining retailers in the whole landscape of the Philippine, of Philippine retail should prepare for that. Now, what are the common challenges that are being faced by the sellers on Nazana that the, the rest of the retail industry should be prepared for as these, the next three to five years come and looking into all those numbers of that growth opportunity? How do you prepare for that? Yeah, so... There, there definitely are a lot of challenges. Now. It's very difficult to move from being a traditional business to one that makes substantial share of your sales online. Uh, mm -hmm. And what we do at Lazada, our mission at Lazada is to make to try to shorten that learning curve and provide our sellers with all the tools and support they need to leverage our platform successfully. Uh, so we do things like offering them access to tools, free access, by the way, 
to tools, training, events, uh, and comprehensive online resources uh, with a stellar community. And we do this all in what we call Lazada, Lazada University, right? Um, and a lot of sellers have told us that, you know, they, they wouldn't be where they are today without what they can get from Lazada University. Um, and really some of the challenges a seller needs to think about even before venturing into a platform like Lazada is first of all, deciding where, where to put your online store, right? Are you gonna build a brand.com? Are you gonna sell on social media? Or are you gonna use an e-commerce, sorry, a more, uh, more robust e-commerce platform like Lazada, right? That, that's the starting point of the journey, right? And you will see that today, most sellers that have tried, gone into e-commerce are actually not on Lazada. They're on social media, right? Um, they'll tell you that, you know, this is the fastest way for me to set up a store. I agree. It costs a lot less to do social media than to do brand.com, where you need to hire a, a developer to build your site. But the e-commerce platform is in between, right? And here, here's the difference. Uh, okay, uh, it probably is more difficult than doing social media, but its cost is not that much more than social media. And its cost is a lot lower than doing a, building your own site. Right? You, you don't have to hire a team to build your site. You don't have to contract a developer. You can onboard at low to no cost in a very easy way um, within minutes at midnight without talking to a human being on Lazada. Right? You can onboard that way. Um, and then on a platform like Lazada, now you have a few other things that selling on social media would not have. For example, you have value-added services like customer service. You have payments, you have logistics, okay? Um, and then you have tools uh, that we have provided, uh, promo tools, uh, uh, the ability to offer free shipping or a buy two, get 5% off. Uh, you get tools to design your product page or your store. And these are drag and drop. You, you don't have to know anything about Adobe Photoshop to do this, just drag and drop, right? And you get performance dashboards. So, you know, uh, I guess the holy grail of retail, which is how many people looked at your product but didn't buy? You can't, you can't know this in the offline world. You only know those who bought, right? Yes. But online, we're gonna tell you who, who, how many looked at it and didn't buy. So then maybe you gotta do something about that product. Maybe you should fix the price. Maybe you should fix, fix the photo, okay? You get other things like traffic and marketing for free. If you're running your own site, you need to pay for marketing, right? Um, so basically, we platforms in e-commerce platforms enable business owners to focus on other aspects of their business. Another challenge of uh, let's assume the business is chosen to do a platform. The next challenge is how do you rise above the noise? Right? There's hundreds of thousands of sellers, right? That's the so, biggest challenge there. Exactly. So so then. Um, First of all, the first challenge is, did you even decide to join the platform? But once you've done that, how do you rise above the noise? And that's why we have all those tools, right? Uh, and we, we encourage the sellers to join those, to, to use them, to optimize their products, uh, the visibility of their products. But we also do events like campaigns. Right? Um, and when, you're, when a seller joins a campaign, essentially he's benefiting from the traffic that we're forcing, we're, we're sending through that campaign and allows him to be seen, right? 
Um, and of course, the good thing with e-commerce platforms is there's an algorithm, right? So once your product has been purchased, you're likely to appear higher on the search results and the, and the recommendations. It becomes a virtuous cycle. Of course, the big challenge, how do you get into that virtuous cycle? But, but we help, we help sellers do that. Um, I think the third, the third challenge is how do you run a reliable operation? A lot of people think, oh, e-commerce, uh, let's put it under the marketing department. But e-commerce is operations, right? Yes. You got to build content, photos, descriptions. You got to have inventory management. When you inbounded the item, are you sure you can find it again later? Uh, what about what happens when you outbounded it? And where did you store it? Can you find it in your storage? Uh, and then fulfillment, right? When there's an order, can you pick, pack, and ship in a, in a timely manner? Now, the good thing with an e-commerce platform is you're going to use our delivery service, but you still need to give the parcel to the courier, right? You still need to give it, right? Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, those are the three, right? Where should you open your store? How do you rise above the noise? And how do you run a reliable operation? I think those are three big challenges in e-commerce. That's amazing. I mean, uh, just that picture you painted of these things that could, you know, that could be very daunting for anyone who's just about to, to explore the possibility of entering e-commerce and yet you've actually gotten, you've actually answered them all. And one, one thing I realized as you were talking about all this is when we think of retail, it's, it's very common already these days, especially to put a premium on customer experience. But for Lazada, it's not just customer experience, but there's also another level, another paradigm right there, which is seller experience, right? So with, when we think of that seller experience then, what would you say is the uniquely Lazada seller experience? What would be the defining factors that actually, that actually shape the Lazada seller experience? Yeah, well, you hit the nail on the head on that. There are two experiences we're looking at because the seller is also our customer, right? We're running what we call a two-sided uh, marketplace. Mm -hmm. We need to onboard both sellers and buyers. And you're right, we need to take care of both of them, right? One of a um, couple of things that our sellers uh, really uh, praise Lazada for, I'll, I'll say, I mentioned two. One is how we do campaigns, right? The sellers love Lazada campaigns. They, they do their, their daily uplifts. They could, they, could, they could have 20 times more sales on a campaign day than their normal day, right? Uh, because we have a way, uh, distinctly Lazada, of driving the uh, um, interest, the buzz, uh, and the traffic uh, on a campaign, and making sure that products that are enrolled into the campaign are actually seen and by customers and purchased, right? That, uh, that, and we really started this with what we, what we started in 2017, which was Add to Cart, right? This Add to Cart, you do the, we do this during what we call a teasing period of the campaign. Yes. So, so basically, although the campaign might be one or three days, they're adding to cart for seven days, right? And that really works very well for sellers, right? Uh, the second thing we do very well, I'd like to think, is Lazada is our support and training uh, anchored on Lazada University. Um, there's, there's a ton of material. There's a lot of community activities among sellers. Um, and really, at the end of the day, a lot of sellers are learning from us but they're also learning from other sellers. Right? And I think that's very valuable. I, I think it's, it's one thing to learn from Lazada and we have all that material, but I think it's even more powerful to learn from another seller. 
part of our Lazada universities, we have a last star academy, we have certified, this is partnered with uh, the Taobao Alibaba uh, training academy. And we have sellers who have volunteered, we have a set of certified last star trainers, sellers that have volunteered to offer their time, uh, their, their knowledge, their expertise, and help other sellers also uh, use the Lazada platform and grow their businesses online. That's amazing. And I, I love how that uh, sense of community apparently is actually really built into the DNA and operations of, of Lazada. And uh, thinking of that, of the, the, the journey then of a Lazada seller from the point of onboarding towards uh, as they go through selling and their growth, then how would, what would you say are the, de the defining characteristics of a Lazada seller that's actually gone through that journey? Uh, from from zero to Lazada uh, expert seller, for example, or a star seller on Lazada, what would you say actually would set a Lazada seller apart? Yeah, so we 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 call that journey. That, well, there's a there's an entire journey, but we're very conscious about your first ninety days, your first three months, right? We call mm -hmm. this the incubation period, and we have an incubation team that actually works on supporting sellers during that period. And uh, just like you know, you asked me earlier, what, what were the pivotal moments that caused the growth of e-commerce? There's also a parallel of that with sellers, right? There's you know the seller getting to the point where he has listed a decent number of products. It's one thing to list one product, and one thing to say you now have 100, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and then um, there's the set. Does the seller join the campaign? Mike, maybe we'll start in with has he joined our flash sale? But then as you join the campaign, and it may not be, um, and it may be, uh, it, usually it's the mega campaign, like the big one, right? Like 11, 11, 12, 12. But we also try to encourage those sellers to join the smaller campaigns during the month, right? And you'll see a, a difference between a seller who's joining one campaign versus those who join every month, right? There's a big difference with those sellers. Um, and then the next piece in the journey is helping the seller um, use our tools. Is the seller part of the free shipping program? Does he use the bundle program? Meaning he, he offers promo to customers where if you buy five, I give you a discount. Um, these are among the elements that make a difference of a seller. Um, and then of course, uh, somewhere along that journey, that seller will start to be a lot more serious about um, their content and their operations. Like they're gonna try to make sure that their cancellation rate is very low. If a customer orders, they pretty much know they have that in stock. You know, an immature seller would be like, well, I don't even know if I have that. And after you ordered, oh, I need to cancel, right? And that would, that would reflect. I remember I talked about the dashboard, performance dashboard. That yeah. would reflect from a seller as high cancellation rate, right? Um, so in that journey, that seller will improve their cancellation rate they'll improve what we call their ship on time rate, right? From the time the order is placed, the speed at which they, they ship, right? Um, and then they're going to improve their return rate. They, they send an order and very few of their customers actually return, right? So these are the parts of the progression of the seller. And when you look at the top sellers, uh, you will see that they have the highest seller ratings, they have great product reviews, um, and all their other metrics are great, and then they have great content as well. That's amazing. And uh, that, that's a very nice uh, picture of that journey. And, and you really highlighted 
the importance of that 90-day incubation period. And to some extent, uh, it gives that picture of a level of hand-holding, right? Especially for the first-time uh, e-commerce sellers. But as your sellers would go through that 90-day journey, what were the common pitfalls and, and mistakes that you've observed? And how do you help your, your uh, first-time budding e-commerce e sellers go through and even overcome, more importantly, such pitfalls? So I think some of the pitfalls are revolving, things I mentioned, right? The uh, ignoring these tools. Mm. Right? And that, that prevents you from rising above the noise, right? Uh, yes. tools, and, tools and events, right? You don't join a campaign. You don't do, use the free shipping tool. Uh, your product kind of going to disappear. Huh? Um, and then other pitfalls are not heeding things like getting your operations right. Like, for example, uh, getting your content right. Uh, you know, you're, you're showing, you, you want to show, you want to you say that you're selling a piece of furniture, but you don't even have a picture of the chair, right? Or, or your picture is confusing, right? You can't, the customer can't tell what items in that picture are part of the chair. And so they hesitate and they don't buy. Or the picture is blurred, right? Um, and then not heeding the operational metrics, right? Uh, where you're in a situation where it takes you forever to pack or um, you, you, uh, you tend to cancel orders. This puts you actually on the bad side of the let's have like over poly platform governance team. And you might even get your store uh, penalized or deactivated, right? So you basically stop before you even started, right? Yeah. So a lot of the training is going on during that early um, 90 days, right? Um, and then when a seller progresses, uh, the biggest sellers will have their own key account managers. Mm -hmm. So now they're in a situation now where there's actually someone making sure they're using the tools uh, and uh, participating in the campaigns, which is ironic because the way they would have gotten there was doing those things, right? <laughs> yes. So, I mean, definitely, I, I, at that point, it's like you've already graduated after the, the first 90 days of hurdling through and figuring out that environment. And by then, it's expected that you've actually done that pretty well. But I understand there needs to be a level of consistency and discipline and, and making sure that that really keeps on going and not just going at its current level at that point, but actually keeps on growing even further. Then at, that, at that point then, how do you ensure that? That's not just uh, you, you've reached that point and then you just plateau, but even actually still continuously grow even more exponentially from that on. What, what, is the, what makes it different then at that point for the seller? How do you equip them and prepare them and even push them further to yeah. go beyond that level of growth? Yeah, so I mentioned no, that the biggest, the bigger sellers will have key account managers. Um, and there's also different levels of key account managers. <laughs> mm. There's, there's this, the, 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 um, the lower tier seller will have a ratio that's very high, right? Like one account manager for maybe uh, more than 50 sellers, right? And then mm -hmm. the higher they go, the ratio would be lower, which makes sense. That's probably how any account management business would look like, operation would look like. But with e-commerce, there's always an opportunity to prove, to improve. Mm -hmm. right? A seller may be shipping on time and trying to figure out how do you, Lazada, can you help me figure out how to get make that even better? Right? We we would bring our 
um, marketplace logistics team into their warehouse and we'd review, we'd review the process, their operation, right? We might even give advice as to where they ought to position their printer, how the racking should be set up in the warehouse. Um, do they have excess steps? Uh, do they store it in a way that's confusing? We're, we, we go as far as doing that, right? Um, the other thing that happens is that sellers then begin to evolve, right? So a seller that could have started merely buying a product from abroad and reselling, right? Then that seller will probably move into the next stage and say, I want to be now a partner of an official brand, right? And that seller may actually open up on Lasmo uh, or, you know, may have two, three stores and where one store is an official brand partner, right? And then that seller may evolve into the next stage, which is they're going to start building their own brand, right? So they're going to they're gonna start contracting um, a factory uh, to actually build for them. So that progression is occurring, right? Um, and so you will see that there's always a chance to improve in terms of operations. Our, our, our team is helping with that, but also the type of seller you are, right? You can, you can go from what is very basic, which is mainly retailing or reselling, to higher margin brand business and even higher margin where it's your own brand. That's amazing. And I, I, that's very interesting how you painted that picture. Normally, uh, to, the, to, to the common man, one might think it's just one seller, one store, but apparently it could be one seller, multiple stores. Absolutely. And that journey, it's very interesting how that journey can actually branch out into different directions. And, it, and as you said, it really depends on what type of seller you are, right? So if we take it back to the, to the very beginning, what would you say are the key ingredients for a person to be a really good and, and, and can really make it strong in Lazada, to be a, Lazada, a very successful Lazada uh, seller? Now, from, from, from the, from the get-go, at the very start, what should a Lazada seller possess already so that he can ensure that he would continuously grow moving forward? Yeah, there are two... Um, I would, we would run seller conferences before our uh, mega campaigns, right? And typically in the past, I would speak there and tell the sellers kind of some themes that they need to be conscious of now. And I'll mention two, okay? One is, I would say, consistency. Mm -hmm. It's not, what we tell the sellers is that to be a good seller, it's not about did you pack very well for the mega campaign and then every other day in the year, you're terrible, right? Um, we, we, we say that you need to build consistency, uh, which means you need to look at the data, you need to understand where are your weaknesses and then work on them, right? Um, and this includes what I mentioned, right? Uh, we actually advise, uh, we actually help sellers uh, if they want to build their business and move from their tiny Binondo operation to now a 5,000 square meter warehouse. Uh, we, 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 we sort of help and advise them when they do that. Uh, and that allows them to move into the next stage and be more consistent. It's very hard to run a consistent operation in a place where you can't find stuff in the warehouse, right? Uh, and then the second thing I tell sellers is you need to invest. You need to invest in your business, okay? And when, when I say invest, I don't mean like buy advertising. That is just one tiny piece. When you offer free shipping, you're investing, right? When you pay, when you 
you you you you invest in a sponsored search link. You you're investing, right? But when you build a team, you're investing. A lot of sellers will come in and they're running an offline operation, and their online operation is the part-time job of the junior guy in their offline business. But I would say, hey, if you're serious about building an e-commerce business, you need to invest in an e-commerce team, right? You wouldn't put up a store in the mall and not have a store manager. So if you're gonna put up a store on Lazada, you gotta have a store manager, right? So you'll see that invest is not that simple. You need to invest in, in traffic, you need to invest in, your con in, a in a team building your content and you need to invest in, in your operations. Right? So I would say those are the two biggest uh, traits I see with sellers that do well, consistency and investment. Yeah, I mean, that's a very clear picture of, of what it means to be successful in that space. You have to be consistent, you have to be really disciplined, and to have, you have that level to invest. And when you were painting that picture on that, on that point of investing, I, 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 uh, it brings to mind the thought, the typical thought when we think of, of, of investment as ROI, right? Return on investment. But I think, and do correct me if I'm wrong here, but the way I see it now from what you just said, it's not just about return on investment, but we should actually always think of what's the return on the customer experience, right? In terms of what is the greater value that it can bring to the customers. What are your, what's your thought on that, Ray? So any, any investment will be measured against an ROI uh, yardstick and customer mm -hmm. experience is part of that. Mm -hmm. uh, what we've seen is that sellers with higher ratings, higher, higher seller rating, higher product rating are actually going to sell more consistently. They're gonna sell more, they're gonna appear higher on search results. They're gonna get a higher conversion rate when someone clicks into the seller. So that investment in customer experience is gonna pay off. Definitely. Now, when we think of that now, um, in terms of investment and really uh, going into different strategies and how an e-commerce journey of a seller can go into different directions. Now, I'm curious on one form of e-commerce that we've been hearing uh, quite a while for, for quite a while already, but I think it's been picking up more recently. What are your thoughts on the model of drop shipping for example as some would say it's a it's a way it's a hack into the the e-commerce experience but what does it really mean uh, when we think of drop shipping is it really an advantageous or what are the risks there even uh maybe i want to clarify a little bit because drop shipping is used in different ways you want to describe what you're referring to there oh yes actually um i remember this drop shipping because you, you mentioned uh something earlier that pretty much points to that like sourcing from from abroad the products but then uh in, in the in the barest sense of drop shipping it's you have a partner that's you're sourcing from and they take care of the the shipping it's just that your store your online store is the one taking care of the sales okay so from a lasada point of view i mean i'm, I'm thinking from this drop i'm gonna talk about drop shipping from lasada's point of view and then i guess from the brand or the seller's point of view from lasada's mm -hmm. point of view any product that's not in our warehouse is essentially a drop shipping model, right? Mm -hmm. So that means most of our products are drop shipping from our point mm -hmm. of view. Yes. Um, and so do I think that's, that's advantageous? Absolutely. That, that, that allows you to have exponentially exponential assortment, right? Mm -hmm. I remember I mentioned one of the pivotal points in the growth of Lazada was opening up a marketplace. For as long as we were constrained by what was in our warehouse, we couldn't scale. 
But the day we shifted into everybody's warehouse is now essentially our warehouse, right? Then we could really scale. And you know, any order where it's coming from a third-party warehouse is really a dropship model. But I think you're touching on a different aspect now, which is if I'm a seller or brand, should it be with me? Can it be yes. somewhere else? And actually, yes. And that's that's the business model of e-commerce. These are the e-commerce enablers, right? And the pioneer actually in the region was e-commerce. Started in Thailand, uh, now in six countries, and I started the operation in the Philippines. And really what that model was is we, we went to brands and sellers and told them, hey, you know, if you are on an e-commerce platform or even on a brand.com, we can take your inventory, right? We can, why? Because your existing warehouse is a B2B warehouse. Right? A lot of sellers and brands, their warehouses are not fulfillment centers. They are distribution centers. Yes. What's the difference? A, a, a distribution center stores products in pallets right? mm -hmm. and takes orders, uh, stores products in pallets. An order is simple. It could be like a thousand red and a thousand black. And um, the pick-pack process, so that, that simplifies the pick-pack process. And the number of customers is small, right? Even yeah. if you're distributing nationwide in a B2B operation, your customer base is small because you're sending it to businesses, right? Yes. In a fulfillment center, your products are stored like in a supermarket, mm -hmm. right? For easy pick-pack, but the order is complex. Right? It could be like one red, one blue, one green, but I only want one of each. I don't, it's not 50. See, when you order 50 of blue and 50 green and you deliver 49 green and 51 blue, no one complains, right? Yes. But if you order one green, one blue, and you got two blue, you're going to complain, right? And that's a very, very different operation, right? Mm -hmm. So that's why e-commerce enablers came forward to brands and said, we'll offer it, we'll do it for you, right? Then the e-commerce enablers evolved, right? They, they became, uh, so we're gonna do it for you. Uh, our warehouse operating, our warehouse system is integrated via APIs to Lazada's. So any inventory you have with us reflects on your Lazada store. That's fine, that's the early days, but then you'll be like, we can also do your content, right? We can also answer your buyer-seller chat. We can also handle your marketing budget on Lazada. We'll set up all your free shipping promos. We'll, we'll enroll your products in a campaign, right? Mm -hmm. we'll, uh, we'll buy the sponsored search ads, right? And so that that's becomes like a, a full end-to-end uh, -end set of e-commerce enabling, enabling enablement solutions, right? And you have a lot of players now cropping up around the region. Uh, there are probably more than 50 now. Uh, and uh, there are players that are pan Southeast Asian. Some are strong in particular markets, right? And, and essentially, they're offering a dropship service for the brand. That's amazing. I mean, uh, there are definitely different ways, and apparently, even the smallest details can actually have a huge impact of, of value in the whole experience and the whole business cycle, just like how you painted it, Ray. Now, as we um, really take a step back and condense all this then. Um, how about you speak to the, the a budding 
e-commerce seller right now? If, if let's say we have a listener right here or, or a viewer here on the Let's Talk Retail podcast, who's been really thinking about, seriously thinking about getting into e-commerce. Like they, they, they see the potential, they see the massive growth, but they don't know where to start. They don't even know what product to buy. How would you speak to that type of person? What would you say, uh, what, what would be your message for that uh, budding and, and very hungry type of uh, potential seller? So I think uh, when, I, when I think about a seller, I think about an entrepreneur, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think in this day and age of rapid digitalization, I think my message for these budding entrepreneurs or sellers is that you need to have a digital strategy. Mm-hmm. You may have a business that you plan to build that has an offline component, but you're going to have to have a digital component to it. Uh, and that digital component, we've, because, because you need to be where the consumers are. You need to be where the growth is. And it's the growth is there and the consumers are coming there in droves and that's where it's growing, right? Um, could Lazada, could an e-commerce platform be part of that digital strategy? Could be. I, I think it's different if you're selling, you know, s- digital services, but you'll be surprised what, you se- what we sell on Lazada. We sell voucher codes for a lot of digital goods, sorry, physical goods or physical services. Like we sell insurance. We sell um, uh, vouchers for restaurants. Right? We, ha- we sell vouchers for gyms. Right? So you could have an offline business, but I think it's important to think about you also need a digital strategy. Right? Um, and that digital strategy is something where you could build it your own app, your own, your own, your own site from scratch. But don't underestimate the speed and cost uh, trade-off by leveraging an e-commerce platform like, like Lazada, right? And then I think the next piece of advice I have when I say that, okay, you need to have a digital strategy is you need to think of that digital channel and the digital strategy as not just an additional marketing channel, right? It's not a place where you move excess product or broken sizes, but it's an entire business model. Uh, and you need to treat it accordingly. And I go back to what I said earlier, you need to invest in a team, uh, in marketing, in operations, right? It's not something that you have a physical basis. And oh, by the way, I, I sell online as well. It's actually two business models. Definitely, yes. And just a, a little follow-up to build on that main point you mentioned about the importance now of having that digital strategy and considering the digital landscape right now, it's, it's very dynamic and it's evolving rapidly. What can we expect uh, would be next for, for Lazada in, in the coming years, especially with all these changes, all these innovations we're seeing left and right. And definitely we're, we're even seeing, a, we've been hearing a lot of developments uh, across the globe uh, in terms of, of uh, payments, cryptocurrencies, even NFTs, and even the concept now that was introduced, the concept of metaverse, right? So what would be next for Lazada in preparing for that rapid change that we're now beginning to hear about and, and even see a glimpse of for the next five to 10 years? Yeah, so there's a couple of trends you know, that Lazada is capitalizing. I think one is uh, what we call shoppertainment or lifestyle destination. You're seeing a blurring between e-commerce and social media. Mm-hmm. You can see it in the last live, our live stream channel, right? 
that's last live is very early days, but actually in China that's massive. Uh, you have influencers that are selling brands or sellers products in the in 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 the millions on these on their on their video on their live feeds, right? Um, today it's still early days. It's still small, right? And the idea that you're going to buy on a live stream is still novel. But this is already um, standard in uh, in other in other countries, especially in China, right? And you're seeing that trend happen. So what's happening is that the number of time if it, the app becomes a lifestyle destination. It's funny because e-commerce, a lot of people say e-commerce allows me to save time. But what happens when you build a lifestyle destination is that e-commerce, the app helps you, the e-commerce app helps you kill time. Yes. You're actually visiting it to kill time, right? Um, and when you look at how frequently um, a customer visits an app, Mm -hmm. uh, a customer will visit a social media app 20 times a month on average and would visit like an app like Lazada probably six, seven times a month. But they visit Taobao, which is our partner in China, 13 times a month, right? So you'll see that it's, there's that progression towards social, uh, a lifestyle destination where which learning um, social, and e uh, social media and e-commerce, right? Um, another trend, of course, will be the rise in digital payments. Okay. Uh, we, our vision is for Lazada to become the e-transactions hub of the Philippines. What that means is that every digital good should be purchasable on Lazada. Right? Whether it's gaming load, telco load, that's already there. Uh, you know, you're starting to see the start of insurance, food and beverage. But uh, we want you to be able to book your, your, your concert ticket, your movie ticket, maybe even pick a seat, right? We want you to be able to book an airline, a hotel, right? Uh, we want you to be able to do all of that uh, on, on, on Lazada. Even be able to maybe purchase crypto and trade. I was going to ask that. Or will we one day see cryptos and even NFTs being sold on Lazada? Uh, there's going to be progressions for that, but definitely... We see that as part of the future, right? That's exciting. Uh, and then, of course, the other half is that that's where you, that's buying any digital good. But then you have the other part of that equation. All digital currency must be usable in Lazada. Right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that it's usable in its original form, but it should be loadable into Lazada in a manner mm -hmm. that you can use it now to buy any of the digital or avail of any of the digital goods and services that I mentioned. Mm -hmm. And, and I love that. I, that uh, very thought I, I, I realize now is it's actually no different to how you address that that uh, that blocker in the experience in terms of sourcing uh, or, or buying products from abroad. Essentially, it's really about democratizing that experience. And I'm very excited about that possibility of even democratizing even those digital assets in the form of NFTs and, and cryptocurrencies. Now, as we are, uh, are we're about to close, and I mean, we've really learned a lot from you, Ray, and, and very, very inspiring story, everything that you've shared with us now. Uh, just one last thing. What would be your message to your fellow retail leaders, especially our retail leaders from the Philippine Retailers Association that are listening right now to us or watching this episode? What's your message for them? Yeah, my message for fellow retail leaders is that uh, e-commerce is here to stay. Uh, it 
it, it grew it grew exponentially during the pandemic um and it's not it's not going anywhere it's not going away anytime soon uh, e-commerce is here to stay uh, it's mandatory as i mentioned earlier to have a digital strategy in place uh, ideally one that is the one that is uh, considering your offline channel as well uh, and uh, you have to be where the consumers are and follow where the growth is uh, and uh, I think I, what I mentioned earlier as well is that e-commerce is not an additional marketing channel. It's a business model. And you need to treat it accordingly by investing the resources necessary in team, product, marketing, and operations. Definitely. And that is a very clear picture. And if there's one thing I believe that we need to pick up from this from this episode is that E-commerce is not just another channel. It's really a completely different business model that can exponentially growth, uh, uh, grow rather our business. Thank you so much, Ray. Uh, no less than the CEO of Lazada Philippines. It's a real honor to have you here on Let's Talk Retail. And I'm sure our, our listeners, our audience, and our viewers of Let's Talk Retail have learned a lot from you. I personally learned a lot from you and I'm very inspired by your story and your journey. Thank you so much, Ray. Thank you, Raf. Appreciate it. Well, that's another thought-provoking episode of Let's Talk Retail. Thank you once again for tuning in and don't forget to follow PRA's Spotify account and subscribe to PRA's YouTube channel. Once again, this is Raf Layosa, founder and CEO of RetailGate Technologies your program partner for Let's Talk Retail and Chief Technology Officer of the United Neon Media Group. We'll see you again on the next episode of the PRA's Let's Talk Retail on Spotify and YouTube. Until then, let's continue to build meaningful relationships. See you then.